What is up, everyone? This is The Grow Life. I'm your host and fellow gardener, Jordan. This is really some exciting stuff, I must say. We are already on episode three. If you haven't listened to previous episodes, it's totally fine. I'm going to do a recap. But if you really want to get all the benefits out of this podcast, I highly recommend at least starting from episode two, since I'm taking a very seed-to-harvest approach, at least for now, during season one. Um, Last episode, we talked about how to germinate a seed. Basically, you take your seed, you let it soak 24 hours overnight in water. You do this to activate the dormant hormones inside the seed. In a few days, hormones activate and send enough signals to produce a tiny root, That's called your taproot or your radical. Once your taproot is about a quarter of an inch or longer, it's time to put that precious bean taproot down in some kind of a medium in order to quote-unquote start the seedling and allow the taproot to develop into a more complex root system. A healthy root system is literally a key to everything and getting it right from the very beginning is how we can guarantee ourselves of that. Okay, so where we left off exactly. We had gotten to the point where we put all our germinated seeds in a starter tray with root plugs, either made of peat moss, rock wool, or other organic material. Or you could skip the starter tray step uh, completely and put the root plug directly into a... Directly, yes, I said that, into a solo cup, which many people do. I've done it. If you go this route... You'll want to fill the solo cup with your soil, the soil of your choice, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. I'm actually going to go into some different types of soils and ways that you could find the best soil for you and uh, some good brands that I've used in the past. But anyway, so you fill the solo cup about halfway, place the plug where it needs to be place the plug with the seed already in it yeah you have to place the seed already in the plug and then and then in the cup you can kind of dig with the plug a little bit and and you want it to you want it where you've put enough soil in the cup so that when you place the plug in it or on it it's high enough where the top of the plug is close or right on par with the top of the cup top of the plug is right level with the top of the cup you're only going to put a small amount of soil on top you know uh, on top of the plug just like a dusting just to keep the seedling the seedling that's inside the uh the root plug from being exposed to light i mean later on once it's covered and grown that's not going to matter but for now, there's still a way for it to be exposed to light, and we want to make sure that the taproot doesn't get any light. Uh, let me just say this. If you're doing the solo cup method, you do not need to even use a root plug at all, if you choose, like uh, Root Riot or you know things like that. You could technically just fill your solo cup with soil, right to the brim and make a small hole with the tip of a pen 
or the first digit of your pinky finger, about a quarter of an inch deep. No, no deeper than that. Um, cause you don't want it to struggle to grow out of that spot. Um, and place the seed taproot, rather please place the seed taproot down right there in the soil. No problem. Cover up lightly again, just to avoid exposing that root to the light. Not so tight where the little seedling will struggle to push through some deep compacted soil. Uh, the reason I suggest using plugs or rockwell squares instead of just right directly into the soils because they tend to root faster and have consistent moisture for cuttings and seedlings like. Um, there are so many types and sizes, but generally plugs are created by blending the highest quality of peat or rockwell with other organics and a foam binder. The result, then, is a stabilized propagation medium. It not only promotes faster rooting and consistent moisture, but it is quite it, it quite literally stabilizes the seedling in this small, tight, cozy space. I liken it to an incubator or a womb. I don't know if that sounds really fucking weird, but that's the best I can do, okay? It's a metaphor. Um, at all times... Remember that you need drainage. You need to poke holes in the bottoms of your solo cups. I use a scissor or a pocket knife. I make three to five drain holes. Do not forget this part. If you are using starter trays, uh, as I suggested in episode two and earlier, you'll notice that these trays almost always, 99.9% of the time, already have the holes in them for drainage. If for some reason they do not, then you must put them there. Uh, if this, because if the plant's soil cannot drain excess water, then it cannot properly aerate. Uh, and it will just make overwatering that much easier to do. Which is so easy to do to begin with. Which leads to possible root rot, a fungal infection, or just drowning the young seedling entirely. Uh, these attacks happen when the medium is kept too moist, um, or when the roots are deprived of oxygen. So, drain holes make them happen, okay? And, uh, as far as the type of soil, again, that's coming. So, hold your horses! Alright, as soon as plants germinate, they require light. So next, you've taken care to put your precious seedlings under 18 hours of direct light from a T5 or T8 fluorescent bulb and 6 hours of dark. Remember to have a timer, you could prep it, set, you know, automatically for every day. It will do the 18-6 thing. You could go for 24 hours. But there's no scientific evidence that this makes the plant grow any faster. Um, and it's a good idea at this young age to give plants a quote-unquote cool-down time anyway. Uh, you do not want to give less than 18 hours on the off chance you'll induce flowering. Or worse, stress a plant into herming. Literally, it will become a hermaphrodite having both male and female sex organs. <laughs> 
and we'll talk about why that's a problem later on. Uh, you'll want to keep an eye on the temperature and relative humidity, and the best way to control that is by having a dedicated growing space, be it in a tent or a room you have designated for your grow, or uh, a grow closet. Um, it also doesn't have to be an entire room, especially if you're only growing a couple of plants. Many people have grow closets, like I mentioned, or they literally grow in closets. But the most popular and easy thing uh, is to use a grow tent. They come in all sizes to fit a variety of needs, aren't terribly expensive, and work really well. Cannabis seeds grow best at 78 degrees Fahrenheit. Avoid higher temps and lower light levels, which will cause lanky growth and the stems will just they won't be they won't get thick they could bend and break very easily you want to start with nice strong stem growth so it can hold up those flowers so that's not what you're looking for no low light levels you want it bright but you got to avoid the heat this is where the type of lighting gets interesting but lighting is another episode um this, but this is definitely one of the reasons why a lot of people have switched over from uh the uh high intense high intensity pressure and uh metal halide bulbs and now switched to leds quite frankly um if the plant is too leggy or lanky its elongated stem won't hold up on its own like I said, and uh, first of all, that's the main problem. And moreover, you'll develop bud sites or terminals, uh, develop less, rather, bud sites and terminals. So the longer and lankier it is, the less likely, uh, well, not the less likely, you definitely will have less bud sites and terminals. We discussed in the last episode how in this stage of life you want to keep your light which is hopefully if you're doing this correctly and following the uh the course of events here and the logic hopefully a fluorescent bulb like i said t5 t8 as close to the plant as possible four to six inches from the canopy what the hell is a canopy jordan ha huh. glad you asked in horticulture a canopy is defined as the is defined not defined it might be defined too i don't know is defined as the uppermost trees or branches of the trees in a forest forming a more or less continuous layer of foliage a canopy is the topmost layer of bioactivity in a forest setting a canopy can also refer to the portion of a plant community found above ground formed by the crowns of individual plants within the garden the canopy is where you will most likely find both the fruits of the plants and in our case the flowers or buds as well as the insects that prey on those fruits and plant leaves um, the word canopy can be applied to a wide range of environments in which a plant crowns are close together in which the plants' crowns are close together, the top of the plants. 
Basically, it's the tops of all the planets, and the goal is to make a quote-unquote even canopy so that all the parts are relatively the same height. We do this a number of ways, through bending, pruning, training of the plants. There's low-stress training, and there's higher-stress training techniques, but even but even still, low-stress training is very easy, and it, it gets the job done. The point is, having an even canopy just makes life easier, especially indoors, when you'd like to be able to keep your light or lice at the same height throughout the grow. Uh, it's easy to run out of ceiling space, let's just put it that way. A note about relative humidity, or RH, uh, because I did really go off on a tangent there to explain what a canopy means. <laughs> the perfect temperature and humidity will change slightly as we move through the stages of the plant's life. As I said earlier, 78 degrees Fahrenheit is the perfect temp for cannabis seedlings. In terms of humidity at this early stage, cannabis likes more humidity than it would in, let's say, the flowering stage. So, seedlings and clones like humidity levels around 65 to 70%. Why? Uh, the reason is that the root system is not yet established and that humidity helps it establish. Um, higher humidity levels allow water to intake through the leaves. So that is why those things are important. Cannabis plants overall grow best between 40 and 80% relative humidity. Oh, by the way, relative humidity refers to the amount of water in the air. Introducing fresh air into your grow environment is the best way to control humidity, but that's getting into fans, air filtration, and circulation, humidifiers, and dehumidifiers, something we're not going to talk about in too much detail right now, uh, we'd be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So for now, just know that at the seedling stage, finding that quote-unquote sweet spot of relative humidity is somewhere between 65 to 70%. That's the key. And if you can keep an eye on this uh, by purchasing a cheap digital hygrometer, even better. Most growers have a bunch of them all over the place to get different ranges, whether they're, you know, up top somewhere, down below, to the side, you know, you want to get your readings from all over the room. Um, and they are really, really cheap. Some are $10 and under. Um, I will put links for them in the description. Um, as well as links for some beginner grow tents that are all-inclusive. They have a lot of grow tent kits that will have pretty much everything you need except the medium itself, whether it's soil or cocoa or you're going to go with hydro. Everything else that you need would be included. Um, we haven't talked about lighting throughout the part, the whole part of the plant cycle yet, so there's, a, there's still a lot to consider, to consider when deciding what to purchase, if anything, when preparing your grow space, I know that I mentioned earlier 
talking about the uh, the lighting and the grow space, um, and we're gonna cover that. Uh, one of the last things I'm gonna talk about today is choosing a soil. Soil is my medium of choice. People say it's the easiest, um, but it also uh, grows the slowest or produces the slowest. That's not necessarily true, especially if you're truly trying to grow organic cannabis and you really you really start getting into the fun stuff like uh, the water culture. Rather, I'm sorry, living soil, compost teas, and so on. I don't know. For me personally, I like a hydro grow, specifically if it's in cocoa. Believe it or not, that's considered hydro. I'm not a huge fan of deep water culture. I've done it before. It's a little bit more difficult, not that much. I just really, for me, like getting my hands dirty. Um... Uh, and this term is hydro in terms of hydro it involves too many synthetic amendments and i'm just one of those people who i like to get my hands dirty and feels good after a day of gardening having to pick soil out from under my fingernails um feeling the earth being connected with the earth in some way it's very therapeutic for me um that's why even though i grow indoors i choose soil I'm actually thinking of choosing some kind of light soil cocoa mix. And that's something that we'll talk about as well. How you can mix your own soil, super soil, essentially. But don't worry, because even if you are a hydro freak, because, uh, you know, I'm still going to cover how to do some stuff hydroponically. Um, this way there is something for everyone. Um, and that's it. I, I'm going to start talking about some different types of soil that we can choose from. Okay, so how do we choose a good soil? When it comes to buying soil for growing cannabis, we also need to understand the concept of soil nutrition. Plants require a medium to grow. Uh, when you use soil as a medium to grow weed, what you basically mean uh, is that the plant will be rooted in the soil and water and nutrients will also be provided to the soil, which will absorb them. The roots of the plant will then consume the water and the nutrients from the soil. There are other mediums such as rockwool cubes, peat moss, cocoa core, which can be used alone and in a hydroponic, hydroponic setup or with soil. As I mentioned earlier, if you did your own mix and created your own super soil. But soil continues to be the number one, number one preference among growers. Uh, there are three things that growers need to know about when it comes to soil. Well, there's more than three things, but there's three generalized things. <laughs> there are a number of elements which constitute the soil, but when we talk about soil for growing cannabis, it's generally judged upon three major parameters. First is the structure. The structure of the soil is basically how hard or soft is it? What is it made of? 
It, this includes rocks, stone, gravel, mud, sand, silt, clay, and a number of other similar elements which make it up. Sometimes these elements also include animal droppings and other organic matter. The structure of the soil can be clumpy. Uh, it can be clumpy, and sometimes these particles form clumps of soil which do not dissolve in water. I, I cannot speak today. Healthy soil needs to have a lot of clumps in it. Depending on the composition of these elements, the soil's texture and composition is determined. Next, we're looking at texture. First was structure. <laughs> Slow down, Jordan. Next is texture. Texture of the soil is basically how tight or loose it is. Soil can either be clay or sandy. Having excessive amounts of clay in the soil would mean that it is too retentive and that might cause waterlogging. We know what that means. Having excessive amount of sand in your soil can make it too loose. This is on the other side of the spectrum, resulting in the water draining out quicker than usual. So in one case, you'll have waterlogging and you might get root rot and you might drown the plant, um, fungus, etc. And on the other hand, if the soil is so loose that it, the water just drains right out of it then when you put water in it or especially when you put water in it that has the nutrients it's just going to fall right out the bottom and not have a chance for the roots to absorb them at all so you need to find the perfect balance between a clayish type soil and sandy soil to make sure that the water can be retained well um, finally the third thing is the composition this is referring to the nutritional composition of the soil. What nutrients does the soil carry? <laughs> a soil which is good in the macronutrients, NPK, which is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. NPK is very important, must remember that. Uh, a soil which is good in this area is just the right kind of soil for growing your marijuana in. However, no soil is perfect and additional nutrients are always needed. They're always, you gotta always add them to a certain degree in order to get the composition just right for cannabis plants to grow well, which is why so many growers choose to create their own soil blend and mix a lot of different things. Um, why is soil important for growing cannabis? <laughs> you know, soil is really important for growing anything, but for growing cannabis, a number of reasons. The most important thing about soil is that it has retentive and absorptive properties. So this means that a significant amount of water that you add to the soil gets stored in it while the excess drains off. And that's what I you know, referred to before finding that balance. However, while plants need water for their growth, another thing that they need is their nutrients. So these nutrients travel up from the plant's roots through the stem mixed with the water that is stored in the soil. Uh, the plant uses its root, which absorbs the water from the soil with the help of the root hairs that are on the actual roots. Um, and then eventually it transfers to the entire body of the plant. 
In case you don't water your plants for a few days, for a few days, in case you don't water your plants for a few days due to some whatever reason, this stored water in the soil will then be used up. This is the primary reason. It's the primary reason as to why soil is important. I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. It could be because I'm stoned. Benefits of growing marijuana in soil. Plants that you grow in soil tend to have a different kind of a taste to compared than plants that are grown via non-soil means like hydroponics. Um, some consider that a benefit. Another benefit is that when you grow plants in soil, you are growing them in a natural setting where they have grown for thousands of years. So they are more genetically suited for that type of growth. I sound very stoned and I am very stoned. All right. Growing in soil also means that they can get access the plants. They can get access to a number of naturally occurring organic material such as earthworm castings or earthworm poop or bat guano which is bat poop and so on which is naturally present in the soil in many soils earthworms and other living beings help move around the soil and mix it quite well a lot of people throw earthworms into their uh into their soil for that reason exactly and also for the worm castings soil is also rich in a number of bacteria and fungi which are great for the growth of plants Furthermore, organically grown weed is always considered to be better than the other types of weed. Which brings me to something called living soil. What is living soil? Well, it's soil with good structure, texture and composition, but it also has living compost filled with tons of microbiology. Worms, as mentioned before, protozoa, nematodes, and millions of bacteria. You make a compost tea with this, your soil will be teeming with life. Why does that matter? <sighs> Simply put, plants take carbon out of the air. We know this, and that's why we're so obsessed with planting trees, right? So, we know the air around us already has too much carbon dioxide in it. And the plants take the carbon out of the air and turn it into carbohydrates put into the soil as sugars. They put it through their roots, right around the root ball, what they call the rhizosphere, that's the botanical term for root zone. That's where the carbs are being pumped into the soil by the plants. All around this area there's a little biological parting going on, and basically all the living organisms hang out there because well, that's where the food is. These organisms have sex, reproduce, die, eat, bring forth life, do it again. It's a miniature ecosystem and doesn't sound lovely. Plants feed the soil and the soil feeds the plants. That is the difference between living soil and plain old dead dirt. 
So when choosing a soil, you must keep in mind that everything you need may not be right there in that particular soil. You'll still need to add certain things in order to make it the best it can be. But for the sake of clarity and general guidance in the right direction, I'm going to give you the name of, or the names rather, of top five top-notch soils, all of which I personally have used before, either standalone or with added amendments. Naturally, you look at the ingredients and figure out what you want to add. Some companies have complete lines of complete line of soils and amendments ready to go. You just want to be careful and make sure you're spending your hard-earned money for the right reasons. Again, absolutely, I do not get a kickback from any of these companies. I my podcast is very new. I it's not monetized and I really don't intend to monetize it. I'm just giving you the honest answers and reviews from shit I've personally used. So, number 1, Fox Farms Happy Frog Potting Soil. It's made by Fox Farms. It's called Happy Frog. Excellent for beginners and starting seedlings. Literally the leading name in the world in soil and nutrients for growing cannabis, Fox Farms. It's a great soil for beginners. It is rich in organic elements such as bat guano, earthworm castings, and forest products. The nutrients you get in this soil are just enough to provide your soil with proper nourishment, but not so much that they would actually burn out the plants growing them. And we'll talk about nutrient burnout at some point. This soil is particularly rich in nitrogen. It's pH balanced well. features soil microbes and has a balanced water retention ratio. On the other hand, it's not so rich in phosphorus and potassium, so you'll likely have to amend that later. And it often has an abundance of wood chips in it. There are other Fox Farms options though. One of my favorites, Fox Farms Ocean Forest Plant Garden Pot Garden Potting Soil. This one is one of my all-time favorites. It's literally got the perfect pH of 6.3 to 6.8. They say you won't need to test it, but if you're going to add, eventually add anything to it, then do yourself a huge favor and get a pH tester and a damn good one uh, to test it. pH is pH what is one of the biggest causes for nutrient lockup, and it's It's a pretty easy fix if you take control of it and grab it by the bull knockers right from the start. But if you don't, it can get really out of control really fast. Uh, growers can grow cannabis plants in this soil, Fox Farms Ocean Forest, which can grow tall and have a pretty good yield with ease. This is a great soil. It helps the plants sustain themselves through all stages of growth. It is one of the easiest soils for growing cannabis. I mean, gee, uh, fuck, I do it. I use it and I'm really dumb. It's not too expensive and compared to some of the other names on this list, it's really the least expensive actually. The only downside, it's not the greatest when it comes to aeration. So you might want to add some extra perlite or vermiculite into the mix to help with that. Pardon me, I have dry mouth. I need to take a drink. Okay. Next, uh organic supersoil. This is a concentrated strength 
for anyone looking forward to buying the best organic content for their cannabis plants, this is a great product to buy. Uh, organic earthworm castings, high quality bat guano. I know a lot of this sounds all the same, but trust me, there's a difference in the quality. Blood meal, uh, bo- blood meal, blood meal, bone meal, fish bone meal. Blood meal and bone meal are also very, very important. Um, alfalfa meal, kelp meal, dolomite lime, which helps with phosphorus, azomite, and a total of close to 50 organic materials. This super soil is the best option for those growers who want to leave nothing out, but you gotta be willing to pay the price. It also has a very strong smell. However, the smell slowly fades away. Uh... This helps with rapid growth of your cannabis plants and provides you with high yields as well. The cons? Uh, Again, it's the high price tag and the smell might be too much for anyone trying to grow discreetly. On the other hand, this soil can be used just as an amendment and you don't have to buy a huge bag of it because it's concentrated strength. So if you could use one of the Fox Farm soils and add a bag or two of this organic super soil uh, it's just one extra way to add all that microbiology we discussed earlier okay number four and five it is really another the number the one and number six biobiz which makes just amazing stuff I'm not gonna get into it now but it just makes amazing stuff. They have a light mix, which is perfect for seedlings and 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 uh, clones. And they have uh, a cocoa, which is beautiful. It's all it's clean slate stuff. Your pH is you know right where it needs to be, and just amazing. Anyway, Coast of Maine. That's the brand comes from Maine. Platinum Platinum Growers Mix Super Soil Stonington Blend. Considered to be one of the best soils for growing cannabis, period. The Coast of Maine Platinum Growers Mix is a super soil, no doubt. What truly makes it stand out is while it has a good nutrient composition, it also features quite a wealth of organic material, ranging from lobster compost to mycorrhiza, which is something that a lot of growers, most <coughs> growers use to put in directly in their soil uh, to help stimulate root growth and to sort of, not, I wouldn't say sterilize it, but get rid of any bad stuff. I know that's a very scientific way of saying it. And, and alfalfa meal kelp meal, fish bone meal, worm casting, so on. Using this soil for growing will give you a good smelling as well as a beautiful tasting bud in the end, which will be rich in the psychoactive content as well, giving the stoners a good high. Um, This is a mid-range expensive soil, but really it's a great option for growers who want to give their plants a good growth. Uh, And it's another perfect pH soil quote-unquote so that is always helpful again still get yourself a ph tester and we will talk about the cheapies all the way up to 
one of the most expensive ones and how everyone needs to get Blue Lab uh, combo meter because that's just the best thing that you can have for the money. All right. Uh, finally, Big Roots all-purpose potting soil. It's pH-adjusted and enriched to maximize root growth. Big Roots is known for its high-quality potting soil. And the all-purpose potting soil certainly lives up to this particular reputation. It's recommended for both indoor and outdoor use and comes pre-mixed and ready to use straight out of the bag, which means you won't waste time measuring and mixing ingredients yourself. It also makes it ideal for first-time growers. The formula is fantastic, containing a premium mix of natural fertilizers. We're going to do this again. Uh, organic materials, mineral additions, and soil amendments that will enable you to grow healthy, productive marijuana plants with ease. Priced is just under $50 for 42.47 liters. Clearly not as cheap as some other potting soils on the market. But the plethora of high-quality ingredients used in this particular soil makes it so reasonable because you'll be using less nutrients which are in the end exorbitantly more exorbitantly more expensive it contains an excellent blend of natural ingredients ingredients that make up the base the main one is peat moss which is able to retain up to 20 times its weight thereby help thereby helping to improve water retention and hydrate the plants as necessary over a fairly long period of time. Not only is this good for the plant itself, but it also cuts down on your own maintenance time as the grower. Uh, Cocoa core is also included in the base, which improves overall drainage and aeration by enabling nutrients to get to the roots, to the roots, to the roots, to the roots (laughs) of the plant easily. Uh, lastly, composted forest hum- humus, not humus, not humus, humus, a natural compost found on a forest floor that is collected and included in potting mixes in order to be used as a soil conditioner can be found in this soil's base. It's an extremely effective natural fertilizer as it holds nutrients that can help the plants grow But unlike the synthetic fertilizers, the nutrients are released over a period of time and they're released when they are required by the plant in a drip feed kind of like fashion. It also encourages the proliferation of soil organisms that continually provide the plant with nutrients and helps aeration, water retention, and drainage. I will say this, this is really one of the best, period, and if you can afford it, no doubt go for it. Big Roots or BioBiz, like I said. Biz Roots has included dolomite, dolomite lime in this potting soil, phosphorus, which is an effective ingredient to help regulate pH levels due to its high levels of calcium and micronutrients. Overall, bottom line, this contributes to a high quality yield as well as a great general plant health and development. There's oyster shells. They're beneficial for the same reason. I mean, there's so much I could talk about 
but this episode is getting very long. So I'm going to put links to all of these soils in the description. And uh, hopefully this week I can find time to get the blog up and running, which will hopefully run parallel to these episodes to create a really immersive experience. Eventually we'll, we will have video too. So patience, grasshoppers. The final topic I'm going to touch upon today, uh, because we really have covered a ton of material, and I'm already, my brain is ready to explode, I'm sure as yours is as well. Uh, last thing we're going to talk about is sex. Yes, why did I save the best for last? For all inquiring minds, I did mention way back in episode one or two or whenever that cannabis plants reproduce sexually. That means there are male and female cannabis plants. They cannot and do not reproduce asexually, although in some cases of hermaphroditism, which can happen, it's possible, but I digress. The main takeaway from this final point of the day is for breeding purposes you need both male and female cannabis plants they are typically in nature an annual plant mentioned in episode one or two or whenever and come harvest time or what we like to call croptober the male plant releases his pollen into the wind where it should land on the sex organ of the female cannabis plant and then they can make sweet sweet babies i mean seeds for the next generation what i quickly want to point out to you though is that if you're a cannabis smoker and you're digging in your stash and find seeds generally speaking the quality of that bud is not going to be the highest you may have thought it to be might might have thought it to be in other words uh it didn't reach its peak thc or cannabinoid content because she found herself the plant in the uncomfortable situation of being with seed when that happens uh when the female is pollinated by the male all that energy that was going to go into producing big sticky frosty thick delicious bud is now going in to the production of viable healthy seeds for the next generation you'll still get flower off that female plant but it won't be as much and it won't be as potent think of it like a human baby the mother is suddenly put uh the mother is suddenly put all of her energy into the production of her offspring so the male plants then pretty much are like human males serve very little purpose and don't produce much of anything in the way of flower so most of the time unless are you un unless are you unless are you unless you are specifically breeding for genetics you have no use at all for male plants and they should be tossed out immediately with yesterday's trash maybe not depending on where you live but the point is they serve no purpose here for the typical grower who wants ideally to have a garden of all female plants a female plant that has not 
been pollinated and has reached its harvest, not showing any signs of seeds, just pure, unadulterated, glorious bud. Oh my God, that's my phone. And my kid. It's called Sinsemia. In Spanish, it literally translates from sin, meaning without, and semilla, spelt S-E-M-I-L-L-A, meaning seed. This, for growers, is the ultimate goal, without seed. Uh, and it's very achievable nowadays, especially since we have something called feminized seeds. However, we've reached the end of episode three, and you'll have to tune in next time to find out more. So there you go. Okay. Thank you once again. Uh, Thank you all for joining me and being part of this journey. I deeply appreciate it. My listeners and subscribers, so much. You have no idea. I mean, I'd probably be doing this anyway, talking to myself, but it's certainly much more motivating knowing there's a whole cannabis community out there looking forward to tuning in whenever I may upload an episode, hopefully every week. Uh learning both the science and art of cannabis cultivation. I am going to shoot for recording one episode a week and release it on Saturdays. That's the goal. Sometimes life gets in the way, like this past month when everybody's been sick and we had a case of the COVID. Uh, I might be late on sometimes. On sometimes? Wow, man. I might be late, or sometimes I might have to skip a week, but I've decided that Saturdays are probably the best day for me to release new content. I know this is not... Wait, this is Saturday. Holy shit. Anyway, this has been The Grow Life. I'm Jordan. Until next time, my fellow Gromies, have a blessed day and a great rest of the weekend.